Hi, we're the Misery Machine. I'm Yergi. And I'm Drewby. And as promised, we're doing part two of the case you've been asking for from ACS. So without further ado. The case of Christiana Fesmeyer, part two. Where we last left off, Buddy had told Brandy that Christiana and him got into a fight and that he took care of the situation. And furthermore, that her body was in the trunk of the Lexus. Now, this is according to a statement from Brandy. So after Buddy had left to go to work, Brandy found splattered blood and a mop in a bucket of bloody water in the kitchen of the first floor apartment. Brandy later told Alonda that Buddy had killed Christiana and that he had cleaned it up and put Christiana in the trunk. Brandy allegedly vomited and had dry heaves after witnessing the cleanup and asked Alonda if she had any gangster friends that knew how to hide a body. It's also alleged that at this time, Brandy also text messaged a friend about using his dumpster and stated that she had, quote, gross and disgusting trash to get rid of, end quote. Brandy later stated she was referring to lead paint that she had planned to dispose of for her mother. At approximately 8 p.m. that evening, Brandy picked Buddy up at ACS as he finished his shift and they returned home. From there, Buddy left again in the Lexus. Alonda, who was now frightened of both brother and sister, was dropped off at the Ramada Inn in Lewiston. He returned later that night and subsequently left again with Brandy and her boyfriend Levi to drive to Augusta as part of a planned trip to Presque Isle to pick up some of Buddy's belongings that were being stored in a storage facility from when Buddy was a student at UMaine Presque Isle. Brandy drove her Cadillac SUV with a U-Haul trailer attached, and Buddy again drove the Lexus. So it was a really strange night. I actually remember this very well because it was payday Friday, and it was the first time ever that Buddy had not joined us for dinner. So my whole team and then some folks from other teams would go to this Mexican restaurant that used to be in the parking lot of ACS. You could walk there if you wanted Yeah, you could to. walk there. They had really cheap chicken wings. So my team would just get a whole bunch of wings and like share them amongst each other. And he would be there every time. And this every was the time. first time that he missed it. Yep. Do you remember what he said when you asked him about it? Or did he just not show and you couldn't get a hold of he, him? That he had to go to the Prescott trip. But he was like really kind of acting weird. Mm. He wasn't himself. And you remember Brandy picking him up? I or? do. I remember going outside because, you know, we all left through the front. And the Cadillac with the U-Haul attached was right out front waiting for him. That night... Buddy sent a series of text messages to Rebecca Cornell DeHoo, a woman he had worked with in the main Army National Guard. In those text messages, he wrote that, quote, he was a really horrible person. He had hurt somebody badly, as well as, I don't have to worry about her. I will never see her again. I don't have to worry about her anymore, end quote. And when asked why, he said, because she's dead. He described himself as an evil person and wrote that he did not deserve to live. When she wrote back asking him whether he was serious, he paused for a considerable amount of time before finally writing, no, just joking. He wrote that there were many things he wanted to tell her, but he didn't know if he could trust her. She wrote, try me, and he responded by writing that if he were to tell her, she could never tell anybody for the rest of her life. He wrote that he was an evil person and she wouldn't like him if she knew what he had done. The exchange of text messages lasted for more than one and a half hours. Cornell DeHoo didn't tell police about the text messages during early interviews. She said because she was told not to by her platoon sergeant. 
She also didn't want to betray her loyalty to a fellow soldier. Cornel Dehu stated she saved the text messages for more than a month and showed them to a friend before deleting them. She also confided in another soldier, Ashley Summers, about the text messages and the gag order she felt she was under orders to obey. After spending the night at the Super 8 Motel at 395 Western Avenue in Augusta, Buddy and Brandy went to Walmart where, at Buddy's request, Brandy purchased paper towels, bleach, and air fresheners. While in the parking lot, Brandy smelled a bad odor coming from the trunk of the Lexus after Buddy opened it. They traveled to Presque Isle in Brandy's Cadillac, leaving the Lexus at the store and picking it up on their return the next day. When they returned to Lewiston, Buddy, Brandy, and her son Michael and her boyfriend Levi went on a planned camping trip in the Richmond, Maine area. Buddy again drove the Lexus and the others rode in the Cadillac SUV. While camping that evening, Buddy told his sister that, quote, he had to sit on Christiana in the bathtub, end quote, and that he had disposed of her body in a swampy area. During the weekends when they were camping, Brandy sold the Lexus to a friend who was looking to buy a car. Soon after returning from the camping trip, Buddy, Brandy, and her son Michael moved out of the apartment at 36 Highland Avenue where they had been living and relocated to a small rented house at 688 Sabata Street in Lewison, next to Bork's Market. Which we'll have pictures of that up right now. On July 11th, Jacinta Labby, a friend of Christiana's, visited the Lewiston Police Department to report her missing. Jacinta stated that she had not seen Christiana since July 1st. According to Jacinta, Christiana, who had been staying with her and her husband Brock, said that she was waiting for a ride to a family function later that day in Rangeley. When Jacinta returned home from work at approximately 5.30 p.m. that evening, Christiana was gone. Jacinta stated that her husband gave Christiana a ride on multiple occasions as she was not known to have a vehicle and either walked from place to place or received rides from friends. Jacinta expected her to return to her home on 1 Brown Street in Lewiston on July 4th, but Christiana never returned. She stated she tried calling her cell phone and had also gone to Christiana's last known residence of 36 Highland Avenue. The officer that handled the initial complaint took a trip out to 36 Highland Avenue in an attempt to locate Christiana, but found the building vacant. The officer also attempted to call the last known phone number for Christiana, which went directly to voicemail. Detective Roland Godbout, no relation to Alonda Godbout, discovered that Christiana's sister Katrin had made arrangements on June 30th to provide Christiana with a ride to Rangeley so that she could attend the family function. However, those plans had been canceled when Katrin received a text message from Christiana stating that she was able to borrow a car. Katrin texted her sister on the evening of July 1st to determine at what time she'd be arriving in Rangeley, but she never received a response. On July 12th, Detective Scott Breeding paid a visit to 36 Highland Avenue and also found the building to be indeed vacant. He spoke with neighbors who had claimed they had not seen Christiana for weeks. The detective was able to locate Brandy Robinson, who had claimed not to have seen Christiana since June 29th, when she allegedly dropped her off at her parents' house in Bremen. She went on to tell the detective that Christiana had been in a downward spiral after her boyfriend had committed suicide a month or two prior. She alleged that Christiana had started using serious drugs and hanging out with sketchy individuals, and that she'd been essentially squatting in the first floor apartment of 36 Highland Avenue. On July 18th, Brandy allowed Detective Bradine to enter the premises. He noted clothing in a closet on the first floor in a desktop computer, but no information that might lead him in uncovering to where Christiana might be. Shortly after, a search warrant was issued and executed. 
Detective Braden seized a computer and two toothbrushes and a hairbrush, which were submitted to the state police crime lab for DNA analysis and comparison. On July 20th, Detective Braden received an email with a hyperlink, which led to a website called main.backpage.com, with a page listing escort services in the Lewiston-Auburn area. The hyperlink directed Detective Braden to a page with a photograph attached to an ad for escort services. The female in the photograph resembled Christiana Fesmeyer in appearance. An undercover investigation for prostitution was conducted in the Lewiston area, which resulted in another interview with Brandy Robinson. Brandy admitted that she worked as a madam and said that Christiana worked for her as an escort. She went on to state that she and Christiana traveled to other New England states, such as the trips to Foxwoods Casino I mentioned last episode, as well as other cities in Maine, to conduct prostitution, which was advertised on internet sites. This investigation also revealed the identity of Alonda Godbout, who was hesitant to talk with the authorities because of her concern that her U.S. passport and her visa might be revoked due to her activities. She was listed on the page as Danny the Canadian and the Canadian bombshell. Brandy said she received a text from Christiana on September 1st at approximately 7.45 a.m., she said that Christiana arrived at 36 Highland Avenue and got out of an unknown green car driven by an individual she did not observe before the car drove off. Christiana said she needed to grab some of her belongings from the apartment. Brandy said she told Christiana to lock up and then drove off. She said she had not spoken with or seen Christiana since that time. After reviewing the Verizon wireless phone records, Detective Brayden noted a call placed on July 1st at 8.38 a.m. from Christiana's phone to Brandy's phone that lasted approximately 40 seconds. On September 12th, Detective Godbout from the Lewiston Police Department and Detective Layton from the Maine State Police interviewed Buddy Robinson. He shared that he moved into 36 Highland Avenue in Lewiston in November of 2010 and met Christiana for the first time a few days later. He said he did not have a sexual relationship with her and described their interactions as just teasing each other. He went on to state that he was on parole for harassing his ex-girlfriend after setting up a secondary Facebook account with a fake alias so he could communicate with her and determine if she was involved in any other relationships. He was convicted of stalking on December 7th, 2010 at a district court in Presque Isle, Maine. Buddy described Christiana as being temperamental and loud and that she admitted to doing acid and crushing pills. He said he would tease her for being emotionally up and down all the time. Buddy stated that he didn't see Christiana much because she liked to party a lot, and that he doesn't drink and much prefer to stay home with his 8-year-old nephew, Michael. He said Christiana told him she loved sex and wanted to go into the porn industry. Buddy said the last time he physically saw Christiana was sometime in the beginning of June of 2011. It should be noted that when talking to other people about Christiana and asking them about memories of her, there has been a couple other people who did also state that she did indeed want to go into the adult film industry. No judgment, but if anyone's thinking that Buddy made that up, I would assume it to be true. Now, can you confirm, since you knew Buddy, that he didn't like to drink at all? Yeah, so anytime that we went out on Friday nights or payday Friday nights to El Patron for wings and drinks, he never drank. So you never saw him drink? Never saw him drinking once. at all. He would get wings with us, but he never drank, and other people were drinking. Did he ever talk about why he didn't drink? Nope. Okay. So Buddy said his sister Brandy was constantly giving Christiana money and would also hold money for her. He said he was not aware of their involvement in the escort business until March of 2011. 
He said men would show up and visit with Christiana in her first floor apartment. Buddy stated that he worked his shift on July 1st at 11.30 in the morning and worked until 7 or 8 p.m. that evening. He said that he had left work and met Brandy and Levi and left with a U-Haul trailer to go to Storage Solutions in Prescott to pick up his belongings. He said they decided to stay at the Super 8 Motel in Augusta and arrived sometime between 9.30 p.m. and 10 p.m. He said they left Augusta for Presque Isle on the morning of July 2nd, where they packed up his belongings and returned to Lewiston by late morning of the same day. He estimated the round-trip time travel from Lewiston to Presque Isle to be approximately 12 hours driving time. You shared with me when talking about this how this was very odd for him to do. And for those that aren't from Maine, Augusta is maybe 30 minutes from Lewiston. So there's a couple things that we should discuss pertaining to this last paragraph that come into question. So when talking about this trip to Presque Isle, now Presque Isle from Lewiston is about a five-hour drive. I don't understand why in the world you would leave for a trip to Presque Isle to get things out of your storage locker at that hour. By the time they had left, it was like nine o'clock at night or a little bit later. Like, why not go early the next morning? Yeah, why not leave like 6 a.m., 5 a.m.? It just seems like a waste of money to stay at a place in Augusta. So from what I understand from Levi's testimony that we'll get to, you know, later on, that the reason they decided to stay in Augusta was because it was windy. The U-Haul trailer was blowing back and forth as they were trying to get down the highway. Aren't those rented by the hour? They are usually for a chunk of time. So you can like have them overnight. Okay. It's I've, usually by the day that you do them. I've never rented one before. So having not rented one, I was like, well, why would they rent a U-Haul and then stay the night somewhere? Like, so you got to think here, money really isn't an object for them. They're making quite a bit of money. That so is it's true. not really a big deal. And U-Hauls are not that expensive. But if it's really that windy, why not get off at an exit that comes sooner there's a few exits that come sooner get off the highway and drive home yeah exactly it's not far to turn around at all it's just pointless it's literally like say you're driving 30 minutes from your home to go on this big trip and staying in a hotel 30 minutes from your house before making the rest of the trip that is what this is if i have to stress that to people that are not from maine so there's also something that is a huge red flag as well i actually verified buddy's time clock records for that day and the thing that sucks about this is this has been over a decade now and it's hard to remember that far back but i probably would bet any sum of money that i am correct on this because in doing this i risked my job and i was almost fired but i provided buddy's time clock records a screenshot of them to his lawyer and that time clock record said he punched in at 8 a.m. On July 1st. On July 1st. So he lied about when he started his shift to detectives based on this testimony. Based on this testimony. I reached out to his lawyer and it's been a couple weeks now and he's completely ghosting me. We should also, and I don't have any problem saying this because, you know, he's not responding and he... He probably shouldn't have been Buddy's lawyer, but Buddy's lawyer is not a criminal defense attorney, correct? Right. He practices out of the Oxford area, and he is a family law lawyer, and he was put on on a murder trial. We will get to that portion of it later, but if I knew somebody that needed a criminal defense lawyer, he is not somebody that I would recommend. Let's just put it that way, but we'll get into why that is later. He is, he's something. (laughs) 
So Buddy shared that he was an active member of the armed services with the detectives and that he contracted a chronic cough, which he thought resulted from the time he served in Afghanistan. He also shared that Christiana would often pick him up at work in Brandy's vehicle. So the chronic cough was kind of a new thing for me because I never noticed that at work at all. However, he was a veteran of Afghanistan. He showed me a few of his injuries. He had a bullet hole in his back. And he had a stab wound. I believe it was in his side. Do you know how many tours he did? I don't. Do you know if he had any PTSD or anything like he that? He definitely did. Okay. Absolutely did. Was he being treated for it? or No. No. He was on no medication that no you know No medications of? that I know of. Okay. Did you notice with him the PTSD playing any sort of role with his time on the call floor? Like, did he show any sort of aggressive symptoms or anything that could be related to a PTSD diagnosis? Not that I noticed firsthand. It was things that happened later on in the story. Yeah. Which, that uh, triggered it for me. Absolutely. Which we'll get to for sure. One last thing I wanted to ask you, since he's talking about how he doesn't really get along with Christiana, did he ever talk about that with you, about his feelings about her? He talked to me about the police investigating him. And what he said to me is there, and this is a quote, they're looking for stupid. She's gone missing. I told them she went out West because she wanted to do porn and stupid being Christiana. He didn't like her because according to him, she had hit Michael. And you didn't hear a statement corroborated with anyone else that Michael was hit by her. It was said, we'll, we'll get into what other people had said, things like that. But... This was the first time I had ever even heard of them having an issue with each other because oh. he had never complained about her before to me. Okay. He actually said very little about his home life to me other than that one time when I had asked what was going on. So in general, he didn't really speak about his personal life no, at all? No, not really. Okay. All right, so a few gaps we'll be filling in later. Yeah. So on September 13th, detectives with the Lewiston Police Department and the Maine State Police entered 36 Highland Avenue and conducted a subsequent examination for physical evidence. Red and brown stains were present in several locations within the apartment, including the first floor living room, kitchen, and bathroom. Red and brown splatter stains were present on walls low to the floor, as well as the base of the toilet. Visible splatter was also present in areas including under the radiator that are difficult areas for cleanup. Areas without the visible presence of blood tested positive for the presumptive presence of blood. These stains were also present in the sink drain, and samples of these stains were collected and delivered to the state police crime lab for analysis and comparison. On September 14th, DNA analyst Jennifer Sabine confirmed that the two stains collected from the first floor apartment of 36 Highland Avenue were confirmed to be human blood and contained DNA that matched to the DNA extracted from the two toothbrushes recovered from 36 Highland Avenue, as well as from a toothbrush collected from 1 Brown Street. The DNA profile obtained was consistent with the offspring of Deborah Fesmeyer. State Police Detective Scott Gosselin interviewed David Swift on July 15th. Swift said he and some friends met for breakfast at the Ramada Inn in Lewiston on July 2nd. While there, he met a woman who identified herself as Alonda. Swift said they made arrangements to meet later that night in her room at the Ramada Inn. She initially told Swift she was staying at the Ramada because she was visiting friends there. Swift said Alanda later told him the real reason she was at the Ramada Inn was because she was involved indirectly with a murder and came to the hotel to get away and not get into trouble. 
She said she did not actually see the murder, but was at the location when it happened. Alanda said one of her friends yanked her out of the shower and she barely had enough time to get dressed before she left the location of the murder with her friends. Alanda told Swift that as she was leaving, she observed a lot of blood on the floor. Alanda said one of her friends told her that her brother did it. It was Swift's impression that the brother had recently returned home from the military and he was all messed up. Alanda told Swift she did not know any of the street names, but the location was near the Ramada Inn in Lewiston. She described her friends as being a girlfriend and boyfriend with a child they have together and the brother of the girlfriend. And I should note the child was not a child they had together. She just mistakenly believed that yes. Michael was Levi's kid as well as Brandy's. Alanda described the victim as, quote, a crack whore. This is her verbiage, not mine. Swift thought the murder happened within a couple of days. She told him she intended on traveling back to Canada by bus on July 4th and was concerned about losing her visa. Swift said Alanda told him she was 25 years old and was a Canadian citizen and a student at the University of Maine in Presque Isle. Swift described Alanda as being 5'11", with straight blonde shoulder-length hair and being very physically attractive. Detective Godbout checked with the only bus service running in the Lewiston area, Vermont Transit, and confirmed that there was no record of an Alanda Godbout using their transportation at any date. Detective Joshua Haynes of the Maine State Police spoke to a representative of the University of Maine at Presque Isle and confirmed the identity of one of their students as Alanda Godbout of New Brunswick, Canada. Detective Goslin phoned Alanda, who denied making any statement to David Swift and said she frequently fabricates information. Alanda told Detective Goslin that she was unsure that he was actually a Maine State Police detective. On August 8th, Royal Canadian Mounted Police Constable Gagnon interviewed Alanda Godbout. She yet again denied being present during the murder. She said she did meet a man named Dave at the Ramada Hotel somewhere near Portland, Maine. Godbout said she was intoxicated when she met with Dave and lied to him about being in the witness protection program. Weird thing about this as well, Alanda is supposedly totally freaked out about being part of this murder, yet at the same time, she actually solicited this David Swift person. This wasn't someone she was just ranting to. They had made arrangements to meet in her room. Yeah, she was still working. Yeah. Imagine if you were actually this close to a murder. Like, I would be thinking, oh, they could be coming for me next to shut me up. I wouldn't be thinking about working. I mean, maybe she didn't have any money on her. Maybe they took every bit of money she could to, you know, get out of there. And that was her only way of making money. I don't know. Maybe she just always needs to close that sale. I, I don't know. I, I don't know either. We'll never know the answer to that, unfortunately. So on September 20th, Detective John Haney of the Maine State Police spoke with Alanda. She said she drove into the U.S. on June 26 in her red 2008 Pontiac G6, which is an expensive car for that time, and it was registered in her father's name. She also drove a 2009 Pontiac G6 in gray. She said she parked her car near the bus station in Presque Isle and took the Seer bus line from Presque Isle to Bangor that day. She said she then purchased round-trip tickets from the Greyhound bus station from Bangor to Lewiston. Alanda told Detective Haney that after she arrived in Lewiston, Brandy told her that Christiana attacked her 8-year-old son, Michael. She said she believed this attack occurred sometime before June 26. So this is, I wasn't going to jump to it, but that's where it was stated that Christiana supposedly attacked Michael. Yeah. I, my question to you was not just, did Buddy tell you that? No, but nobody you, else told if, me directly. Yeah. I mean, I know that there were statements. Mm -hmm. And again, we're jumping ahead a little yeah. bit, but I wanted to clear that up before I forgot. 
So Alanda said that she slept in Christiana's bed on the first floor of 36 Highland Avenue on the night of June 30th. She said that Brandy told her that she needed to remove her belongings and leave Christiana's apartment by the next morning on July 1st, before Christiana was expected to arrive to get some of her own belongings. Alanda said that on July 1st at approximately 7.30 a.m., Christiana arrived at 36 Highland Avenue and was arguing with Brandy because she wanted to take Brandy's Lexus and drive it to the family gathering in Rangeley. Christiana also had expected Brandy to stay at 36 Highland Avenue while she retrieved some of her belongings. Alanda alleged that she and Brandy left Christiana at 36 Highland Avenue at approximately 7.30 a.m. She said the only individuals who were at the 36 Highland Avenue apartment when she and Brandy left were Buddy and Christiana. Alanda said they picked up coffee at Dunkin' Donuts, then drove in the 2005 Cadillac SUV to ACS and met with Levi Gervais. She said Brandy asked her to step outside the Cadillac while she spoke with Levi. Alanda stated that she and Brandy arrived back at 36 Highland Avenue at approximately 9.30 a.m. Brandy told her to go directly upstairs to the second floor apartment. She said Buddy was still home at the time, and while Alanda remained upstairs, Buddy and Brandy spoke with each other alone downstairs in the first floor apartment. Brandy then came back upstairs and told her that Christiana had been hitting her son Michael. Brandy and Buddy then left together while Alanda remained upstairs. Alanda said that she was alone at 36 Highland Avenue when a couple in their 40s who identified themselves as friends of Brandy arrived at the second floor apartment. She said while the friends remained upstairs with her, she took a 20-minute shower. During her shower, Levi walked in on her. Brandy also came in and vomited in the toilet. Brandy and Levi both told her she needed to leave. Do we know who that couple is? I don't think they're ever identified. They're never identified. Okay. Alanda said she walked to the downstairs apartment at approximately 10.30 a.m. It appeared to her that there had been a cleanup because the floor was wet and there was a shopping bag on the floor with items she thought were possibly Christiana's. She said at some point, Buddy told her that Christiana came to 36 Highland Avenue, quote, all cracked out and threw blood up all over the first floor apartment. Alanda said she and Brandy drove Levi back to ACS at approximately noon and then returned to 36 Highland Avenue. Brandy told Alanda to take the Cadillac and go somewhere with it. She said she then left and returned sometime between 1 p.m. and 2 p.m. to find Brandy standing in the driveway. Brandy told Alanda to go directly upstairs and wait for her to return. She's pretty bossy, isn't she? Yes. She's always directing Alanda around. So, Alanda said that approximately 2.30 p.m. to 3 p.m., Brandy returned to 36 Highland Avenue and appeared flustered. Brandy asked Alanda if she could trust her. Brandy then started crying and told her that Christiana was dead. She told her that Buddy had kicked Christiana. Brandy said that her body was in the trunk of the Lexus, which was in the garage. Alanda said that Brandy asked her, quote, You have a lot of ghetto friends that could dispose of a body, right? End quote. Brandy said they had to clean up all of the excrement. Alanda said she and Brandy picked Levi up from work and drove to the U-Haul rental facility where they rented a trailer that was hooked to the Cadillac. They then left and traveled to ACS and picked up Buddy, then drove back to 36 Highland Avenue. Brandy told Alanda not to go into the basement of the apartment. She explained she had belongings in the basement, so Buddy told her he would retrieve her belongings for her. Alanda said that she then left 36 Highland Avenue in the Cadillac with Levi driving and Brandy as a passenger. Buddy left at the same time alone in the Lexus. She said she did not know where Buddy was going. She said they drove to the Ramada Inn in Lewiston and dropped her off there at approximately 8.30 p.m. Alanda said that the next day, 
Brandy, Buddy, and Levi returned to the Ramada Inn with a Cadillac and the Lexus and asked her if she wanted to go camping. Alonda said Brandy told her that Buddy could not go to jail because their mother would get upset. He had a good defense because he was upset that his nephew, Michael, had been struck by Christiana and because he's a military veteran and that this is a patriotic country. Those are her words, not ours. Alonda said that she had returned to the U.S. approximately on August 20th, apparently after going back to Canada for well over a month based on her statement, and spoke to Brandy. She said something to the effect of, quote, it's been so long that bitch is now decomposing, end quote. Again, not our words. And to be clear, that was Brandy that said that. So Alonda said Levi, Buddy, and Brandy moved from their apartment because of Christiana's death. Brandy told Alonda not to talk with the police because she had an attorney, and based on the attorney's advice, none of them were to talk with the police. Alonda also said that a woman named Pam replaced the rugs in the Lexus. Pam is never identified. Detective Bill Ross of the Maine State Police, Detective Roland Godbout of the Lewiston Police, and Detective Herbert Layton of the Maine State Police interviewed Levi Gervais on September 20th. Levi said he left 36 Highland Avenue on July 1st at approximately 7.15 a.m. for work at ACS. He said that sometime later that morning, Brandy and Alonda arrived at his work to give him a coffee. Levi said Alonda was asked to step out of the Cadillac while he spoke with Brandy. He said that Brandy told him that there had been an altercation between Buddy and Christiana. Levi said he left work to go to 36 Highland Avenue for his lunch break. He said while he was there, he observed that the first floor bathroom was very wet to the point he suspected a pipe may have burst. He also said he noticed the laundry was going in the basement. Levi said while at 36 Highland Avenue... He observed Brandy, Alonda, and two friends who identified themselves as friends of Brandy. One thing I always had a question about with this case was how many people were going into that first floor apartment. Now, this is a duplex. Why are people, when you don't live on the first floor, going in there? That's just like the really weird thing to me. Do you know if they were operating out of the house, like having visitors there yes. they were yes maybe that was why levi said at the end of his work day he went to the u-haul dealership with brandy and alonda he estimated arriving at the u-haul sometime between 4 30 p.m and 6 p.m he said they left approximately at 8 p.m and picked up buddy at acs levi said they returned to 36 highland avenue after that Levi said he remembered the garage door was closed when they arrived. He said he was at 36 Highland Avenue for approximately 15 minutes before he left with Brandy and Alonda. He said the garage door was open at this point and Buddy was gone. Levi said he then drove the Cadillac with the U-Haul in tow to the Ramada Inn in Lewiston where they dropped Alonda off at approximately 8.30 p.m. Levi said he and Brandy then drove to a local restaurant for dinner and approximately one hour later left Lewiston to go to Presque Isle. Levi said somewhere near the Gardner Tolls, he observed Buddy driving his, meaning Levi's, Lexus and following behind him. He said it was a windy night and it was difficult to drive with the U-Haul in tow, so they all decided to stay at the Super 8 Hotel in Augusta. Levi said it was decided to park the Lexus in the Walmart parking lot in Augusta, which is really silly because Walmart is on the other side of like Augusta. It's quite a bit of a drive. Well, not really that bad, but it's really inconvenient to leave a car there. When you're over at the Super 8, there's plenty of places you could have left it, but I digress. You've lived there, so you yes. know. He said that the next morning, he drove the Cadillac in the U-Haul with Buddy and Brandy to Presque Isle. Levi said they picked up Buddy's belongings at a storage center in Presque Isle and then returned back to Augusta, where Buddy was dropped off to pick up the Lexus, before they all returned to 36 Highland Avenue. Levi said Buddy unloaded his belongings and that he, meaning Levi, returned the U-Haul to the dealership. 
Levi said he sold Lexus to a couple he referred to only as Melissa and Jason. Detective Jim Thies of the Lewiston Police Department spoke with a woman named Melissa Cole on September 20th, who confirmed she purchased Levi's Lexus on September 3rd. Detective Thies observed the Lexus and noted that there were indeed red and brown stains inside the trunk of the car. So with that in mind, we're going to leave it here for this week. Our next episode, we should finish this off with the subsequent search warrants, arrests, and conclusion. Yes, we'll get to what the police found, what happened when these people in question were interrogated further, who they went for, and who was arrested. So please check in next Monday, and we will have the final episode in this series. So if you appreciate this and you want to support our channel, please hit like and subscribe. This is the best thing that you can do for us. And it ensures you that we can keep bringing you content like this every week. We also have a very wonderful group of people that are supporting us on Patreon. So let's thank those people now. Thank you, Eddie Rowan, Marky Holly, Serena, Chloe, Mark, Karen with an EA, Neil and Karen, Dave and Karina, Dakota and Kitty, Jen, Mo, Rob and Tom, Alex, Jacob, Bailey, Steven, Asia, Amanda, Patricia, Alexis, Kareen, Catherine, Jody, Sally, Kimberly, Jacqueline, Lawton, Crystal, Nat, Cooper, Blue Unicorn, Michelle, Catherine, Rondi, Janice, Andrea, Adrian, Cindy, Joe, John, Greg, Dylan, Audrea, Jossie, Heather, Morgan, Shannon, Brittany, Lana, Marie. Welcome, Sarah. Welcome, Sarah. And Levi. And Levi, our highest tier Patreon supporter. There's this lovely picture right now. And if you two want to support us on Patreon, you get access to all of our secret episodes. You get access to our secret Discord and Snapchat groups. And you may even get a postcard. Haunted postcard. Patreon.com slash The Misery Machine. Every dollar we get from this goes back into making this podcast that much better for you. Putting everything together for this case has taken months and a lot of effort on top of our full-time jobs. So if you want to go that extra step, it would mean the world to us. Yeah, I will note that this took me all summer. It really, really did. While we, we were moving too. While we were moving and remodeling the downstairs portion of our buildings that we could move in. It took literally all summer. And I'll note because there's going to be some kind of strange things you'll notice if you're watching this on YouTube. There aren't many pictures of the people involved. There are plenty of pictures of Christiana, but... Buddy, he doesn't have any pictures really online anymore, for the most part. There are very few and far between. There really aren't many pictures of Brandy. She did a really good job at completely erasing herself from the internet. And Alana is completely not even online. I can't even find her at all. So, I have no idea where she is now or what's going on with that. If you do know these people, I don't really want to jump ahead. But if you, I'll say this, if you know anything about Alanda and want to share that with us, if you know anything about any of these people and want to share that with us before we get our final episode of this out, we would love to hear from you, Misery Machine Podcast at gmail.com. I mean, there's some extra photos I have that will go later in, but as far as early pictures that we can share in these earlier episodes... There's not much. It was difficult enough getting pictures of Christiana. Yeah. Everybody else, nearly impossible. So I hope you've enjoyed more of the driving footage of this episode around Lewis and Auburn and subsequent areas. But until next week. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye.